It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. Roundtable time. Former Sharks Curtis Brown and Scott Hannon talk about the Sharks at the break. Now here's your host, Ted Rainey. All right, what's up, guys? Yeah, we are in the midst of the Sharks all-star break. And yes, there is hockey going on other places, but obviously the Sharks don't have as much to make up, so that's a good thing. But don't think that we're not going to be bringing you lots of good content. I've been sitting down with a bunch of the guys on the team. Of course, part of the broadcast crew is today. We're going to be talking with Scott Hannon and Curtis Brown. Of course, Brown you can find in his full-time position of giving Brody Brazil a hard time also pre and post on NBC Sports California for Sharks coverage. And of course, Scott Hannon, we've seen him in that role as well. And Scott Hannon does the TV color from time to time, and we hear him all the time on Sharks home games as well, and some road as well. But I was lucky enough to be able to sit down with these guys and talk to them about everything that's been going on with the Sharks up to this point of the year, because there's a lot to take in. There's been injuries, there's been COVID absences, there's been really good net minding, there's been Sometimes where you just kind of wonder which team we're going to see on a night-to-night basis. And that's what I got into with Scott and Curtis, and I've got the conversation here for you all to hear. So without further ado, we are now joined by Curtis Brown and Scott Hannon. Gentlemen, what's going on? Well, we're uh, in between. Now that the Sharks have a little break for the All-Star deal, I know Scott and I are running hard after the kids in youth hockey. So we get away from hockey and go to hockey. <laughs> yeah, I think our whole life just revolves around hockey, doesn't it, Brandon? No, things are things are really good. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with your life revolving around hockey. It's uh, There could be worse things to have it be revolving around. But, uh, you know, Scott, I'll start with you. Just kind of your 30,000-foot view on what you've seen from the team up to this point of the year. Well, you know, you've seen a lot of good things. Obviously, there was a lot of things away from the rink. Um, We all all know those things that were kind of overshadowing the start of the year. And I think a lot of people, you know, thought, how how were the Sharks going to, you know, come into this year? And, um, you know, I thought there were some bright surprises early on. William Eklund, I thought, was who was a, you know, a great young player, you know, bright, bright future with the Sharks, you know, them sending him back. You know, he had a lot of young guys in the lineup going through, a number of things, you know, there was Jonathan Dolan, who I thought is, you know, really positioned himself well, you know, on those top two lines. I think his skill, you know, adds a lot. He's got, you know, he plays a lot of really tight in the corners, things like that. So that they're youth. Timo Meyer obviously having the year that he's had, Hurdle, and kind of some of that stuff is overshadowed. Where's this team headed and with Hurdle? But, you know, this team, I think one thing as a fan and as somebody looking up top is, is the effort they're putting in day in and day out, you know, maybe some of the things were, you know, they're lacking, be it maybe some of the depth we thought, but the youth bringing into the lineup, I think, you know, you kind of see with the youth that they have that there's sort of a, you know, a bright future and they come in and battlers. They've had some good games and, you know, they have obviously had some, you know, some stinkers just like every team does, especially those ones that are battling through the middle, but they put themselves in a position to battle for a playoff spot. And I think if you were looking at, you know, 
before the year, you, you know, that, that was a sort of where we thought they would be, if not, you know, lower. So them to be battling for a playoff spot here, coming into the kind of the final stretch, I think, uh, you know, obviously there's some optimism looking forward. Curtis, what about you? Where are you on the big picture of the Sharks at this point? And as we head into, I guess we're calling it now the all-star break, just a little bit longer. Well, quite honestly, I think my expectations have changed up and down many, many times throughout the course of this year, because just when it seems like they got things going, they get hit with an injury, a COVID protocol, uh, something that honestly nobody could predict. And then when the youth is inserted, whether the stretch of the Barracuda players coming up or through injury, having to uh, insert players. And I know that happens every year, but not having to insert players. This is a unique situation where they've had to put people into situations and I've been pleasantly surprised. So my expectations in the off season, I didn't know what to think. And now throughout the first, uh, you know, for the lack of, uh, consistency or data two thirds of the year. I think they've positioned themselves really well. I think they're continually uh, growing and I'm excited to see what this team might be if they get everybody back, uh, everybody uh, playing together for a period of time where they can really work on that chemistry because I know that's a huge thing. We talk about it, chemistry and you can't really put a finger on it. You just know when you have it. And I remember, Scott, when you and I played together, the chemistry that we had on the team was we didn't know how we were going to get it done. We just knew it was going to get done. And I think that's still what this team is trying to figure out. And in some capacity, it's no fault of their own. They just haven't been around each other enough, maybe with some of the young guys, or having the experience because of uh, the aforementioned uh, breaks with injuries or COVID. Yeah, Scott, where do you come in on the guys kind of, you know, jumping in and having to gel with each other with all the changes there have been to the lineup? Yeah, I think that's been one of the most impressive things, you know, over the course of the season, you know, like Brownie touched on, you know, that early on in the season when everybody went out with COVID and, and if you looked at the, you know, the D with, you know, Merkley, Magna, Middleton, Malosh, and, you know, the growth of Ferraro and you know, the young guys, that you know, up front, there was a lot of youth throughout that lineup and, and to have the, the record and, and, you know, sort of like Brownie said, I was pleasantly surprised with the way those guys, you know, filled in, they were able to get wins and they were able to come in and, you know, it shows the leadership, you know, the, the growth of Logan Couture with the captains, you know, Timo, Timo Meyer, uh, you know, the, the year he's had where, you know, a really a big bounce back year, um, Burns, you know, back on the blue line, you know, you saw flashes of, you know, uh, of great stuff. Barabanov, I loved his skill. And, and, you know, I think that that, like Brownie said, the position they're in now with what they've gone through, some of the shadows hanging over, hanging over the team with the Evander Kane stuff and, you know, where are they going to replace those goals? And obviously that's one of the big things. They're struggling at times to score, to score goals. And, and, and you know, and that, and that's hard to do in the NHL, but they got some young guys where you see some, you know, some possibilities some growth and they put themselves into a position to battle for a playoff spot. And I think, you know, it, it, you know, again, what Brownie touched on, if you looked at it in the summer, you know, I'm not sure that I would have placed them in that situation. And, and, and now here with the, and they, they got a shot and that's all they can ask for. Have you been more surprised Scott by Timo Meyer or maybe by 
just the overall net mining situation, especially led by James Reimer? You know, I think coming in, I was actually pretty, I, I liked the goaltending situation. I thought Reimer played unbelievable the last time he was through here. He's a big guy. He has a lot of compete and a great leader. Um, you heard nothing but good things. I liked Aiden Hill when he was playing for the Coyotes. Um, you know, last year, he had some great games, obviously, against San Jose, and he's a big guy. And I think that that's so important with your with your goalies this year, that size, that athleticism. I thought Reimer could really, you know, kind of show Hill the ropes and, and, and give him a little bit more of that growth and not have that ton of pressure on, on, on such a young kid. But, you know, again, Timo Meyer, his year last year, you know, you kind of ask yourself, was he going to be able to sort of carry a line and, and produce that? And if you've seen, you know, the year he's having and, you know, and, and the youth on this, on this team, you know, Timo is only 25 years old. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with a guy like Thomas Hurdle. You know, if, if they bring him back, you know, if it, this, he's got to sign a contract. So, you know, it'll, it'll be a big step in to see which direction this team wants to go. If it's, you know, if they're going to try and do another reset and go back, or are they trying to assign guys and keep moving forward? Because, you know, I like some of the young guys. Gregor, with that speed, if he can, you know, get his hands to catch up with that speed, he, he has that, you know, uh, that potential to be, you know, uh, to put up some big goals. That speed is second to none. And he can, if he uses that to his advantage, and that comes with experience, again, with Balsers, Barabanov. I like the grittiness from Gadjevich and Rask, Raska. So, you know, and the defense, you know, not a lot of big names except that, you know, the top two, but, you know, Magna, Middleton, Malosh, Merkley jumping in there. And, and I thought playing really well in, in the situations they were put into and to provide some stability back there in times of need. Yeah, Curtis, in terms of surprises, obviously, you know, Timo's having a great year. Reimer has been great. And even Aiden Hill, even though he's so young in his NHL career, when he's been healthy, he's had some great stretches for the team. Um, is there a big surprise for you at this point or how much of it has played to your expectations in terms of individual performances? Well, that's a tricky question because quite honestly, I know how hard it is to play in the league. So I don't know that I really go into a season with expectations, but more observations. And then once they lay down, like we didn't know much about these young players. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew anything about Dolan. So pleasantly surprised with Dolan for a guy to come in. And it seems like it's, it's maybe uh, one of the ways that more teams are going. If you get a European player that has a great situation, well, they got really good playing professionally back home. So they send those guys back and get some more seasoning. Uh, so they step in maybe more prepared. I was super impressed with him. I know that he went through uh, like, a lot of the players on the team, uh, some setbacks, but uh, he's probably my uh, biggest positive surprise outside of the guys that you would expect, right? Uh, Hurdle has had some amazing stretches. Uh, Meyer, you guys have already touched on. Um, you know, the beginning of the year when there was more questions than answers, I thought Logan Couture was spectacular. His offensive side, admittedly, uh, he was even saying the other day, needs to pick up, and I would agree. Uh, but the way that they started, I think they gave this team some hope. They gave the young guys some direction. And now it's all about, you know, this final push, uh, finding the consistency game in and game out. And coming off the latest road trip, if you would have said this team with the personnel that they didn't have would come back 500, I don't know anybody that would say that would be a disappointing road trip. Curtis, what do you think of Ryan Merkley up to this point? There was a lot of, 
questions about him, especially even coming into, you know, the development camp they did this summer. I know that Brett Hedekin was, you know, not enamored with what he saw in the, in the, you know, prospects game. But then suddenly when he got out there on the ice in the NHL, it was like, oh, this guy is a puck transporter. He looked way more comfortable than I was expecting because seeing him previously in person, he looked tentative. And to me, it was an entirely different player than what I had seen before, even, you know, watching the streams of the American League. Well, I'm going to have to put an asterisk next to my comments. Whether you knew this or not, Ryan actually stayed with us multiple times. And people forget that when these young men come to a new city, it's not just about the hockey. It's about, you know, their stability away from the rink. Scott, you know as well as I do that that's one of the biggest struggles that young guys have is trying to get their feet under them so that they can go and develop and grow, not just as a player, but as a person. So I got to know Ryan really well, and I didn't know much about him as a player. So I am absolutely high on Ryan Merkley. I think the reason that some people have to have two or three looks at him is because he makes it look so easy with his hockey sense, his brain, his deception, his ability to pass the puck. And that's exactly what they drafted uh, when they were picking in the first round. Um, obviously, you, if depending on who you're comparing him to, you know, he's not the biggest guy. So you're not going to get uh, a huge physical game out of him. But I was just super impressed. And to your, uh, you know, to your comment, uh, very, very uh, enjoy the way that he moves the puck out with his little four to six foot passes, sees plays that I don't think every player sees. And then he also has the ability to make those passes, which not many do. Yeah. And, you know, Scott, obviously, you know, you, you watch Ryan Merkley developing and he's, you know, back down with the Barracuda and getting more playing time um, in terms of just making that jump, I guess, you know, you get into your first NHL game and everybody's got your eyes on you, especially when you're a high draft pick. Were you surprised by how comfortable he looked that quickly? You know, he's been, he's been with the organization for a few years and, and, you know, you've heard your ups and downs with him and and the things that I was impressed the most and, and the way the NHL is nowadays, you look at the top teams and you you look at these teams, like look at Tampa the other night, it's all about puck control. Mm -hmm. And and the thing that impressed me the most about a guy like Ryan Merkley, which, which again, Brownie touched on is his ability to break the puck out. If, If you're sitting there trying, you know, rimming pucks or chipping them up or flipping them into the neutral zone, your team's in trouble because you're playing defense. And here's a guy that I thought really showed the um, showed the confidence after he got that the goal and the points. And you saw a few of the moves he was making on the blue line, little head fakes, little dishes. And that's the stuff for the future, for the Sharks to, to grow. You, you get that from your Carlsons. You get that from your Burnsies with his shot. But you need to have that ability to, on every single line, one through six, to come out behind the net, have that confidence, to hit that guy in the middle, you know, you can go into the analytics of hockey and go when you're breaking the puck out between the dots, the percentage of you entering between the dots, which throws your, your, your chance of getting a, you know, a goal so much higher than, you know, the rims, than the, the dumping the puck in. And, and, and that's a situation. And you've seen the growth. I've seen the growth in Ryan Merkley from the time he got. Maybe it's just the minutes played. He was mm-hmm. put in situations where he had to play those minutes, right? There was nobody to fall back on. And I saw him blossom under that. And I think there's a, you know, there's going to be good things for the future. Ryan Merkley. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I want to ask you guys about Bob Bugner cause he, um, 
I think my favorite thing about him is that he is extremely honest. And I often wonder about that if, you know, he, he never throws guys under the bus or anything, but when we talk to him after the post games, he's, he'll give us very detailed explanations. And I also wonder about in the situation he's in now with the sharks, with established veterans and trying to bring in young guys, if he looks back at his own career in early parts, when there was some up and down from the American league, and maybe he felt that coaches weren't honest enough, or maybe he feels that they were. And that's why he was able to make that transition and be such a good pro Are are either of you surprised by just how honest he is or, or is this just kind of how he decides to be as a coach and what he thinks is best? Um, to be honest, I, I'll take this one first. I, you know, knowing Bob Bugner as a player, he was an honest player. And, and, you know, I don't think you expect it any differently from him as a coach. Now, I'm not in that locker room. I, I don't know. But, his, you know, I, I can tell you from a player's perspective, we all know what goes on on the ice. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, as long as you're seeing it and calling a spade a spade, it's not like we go home and think anything differently. We're in tune with how we played, how, you know, how, how the game got played, what we need to do to win. And, you know, as long as you get that respect back and forth from a coach. And, you know, I go back to when he was an assistant coach with Pete and, you know, mm-hmm. guys like Bernsey and managing egos. I almost think like a coach nowadays is, you know, you got to manage all these different types of people. It's not like the old school way to coach where it's just, you know, th- this way and you're, you're banging the glass and click, kicking the floor. It's about trying to motivate guys in certain situations, you know. But I think, you know, from an outsider looking in, I think that those players – you know, respect Bob and they know that he's got their back and, you know, he's going to call a spade a spade in in a thing and they know what they got to do to win. And I think that that locker room has been one of the biggest, you know, I'm not going to say surprises because I know some of those guys in that room, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think that that's one of the biggest growth periods is you can see, you know, the the growth of young guys as leaders, the the step up as those middle-aged guys as leaders and, and, you know, the top end guys. And I think that that room is pulling for everybody and, and you can see it on the ice. Is, is that how you see it, Curtis? So I was a teammate with uh, Bob in Buffalo for a couple of years. And so I was a young guy. He was one of the uh, older guys. But as you mentioned, coming, you know, from the AHL, finding his way, et cetera. So he, he comes from the old school. And quite frankly, that's what I came up in. And I don't know whether you have to be really, really good valuation which i think is part of it but i think the other part of it is is you have to be really really honest with one another if you want to have success why because it's a results oriented business and i like the transparency of allow us to just a a little bit more of a peek of what's actually going on why because hockey fans are smart Mm -hmm. we watch the game fans watch the game because it's nothing but their greatest success individually and as a team, then you're okay with it. And I think he's really won over that team. I think you see that some of the characteristics that they have are absolutely Bob Bugner. Like, uh, remember, like think back to different coaches around the league. Like how many coaches are not just going to tell you what they're going to do, but they're going to do what they tell you. And he's not scared <laughs> to move guys up and down that lineup or out of the lineup. And throughout the course of a long year, that's your job to make sure you're getting the most out of anyone uh, or out of your players and, you know, not allowing anybody to know. Oops, lost you there for a second, Curtis. Scott, I'll, I'll jump back to you on this with, with talk of Bob Bugner. I mean, it's 
you talked about managing those egos and you know he's done that he's moved guys up and down lines he sat guys down for a game is you know is that how does that work in the dressing room when a guy does find out that they're getting sat for a game that they've got to ride the pine for a bit i mean there's it feels like you can only play that card so many times especially when you're working with established veterans yeah and that's one of the you know the toughest things you know that when you're a veteran and in that first time you get you know sat down but i don't think it's one of those things i think if you look in that locker room where you know there's no doubting that the team is moving in a different direction, right? They're installing some youth. They're, they're not a team that's competing at the top, you know, and going for, you know, uh, winning Stanley cups every single year, which is a lot different of a situation than they know with the transition period they're in. they know they got some guys over 30 year olds. They know looking at the NHL, what is going on. And I know that was one of the toughest things for me as a, as a veteran, that that transition from an everyday player to somebody that's really here to help out, and grow these young players. I was lucky because I had guys like Brian Marchman, Gary Suter Mm -hmm. that came in late that kind of blossomed, you know, that allowed me to grow, that helped me out in so many situations, you know, the Mike Ratchies. And and that was the stepping stone that, you know, when Dean Lombardi brought those guys in, kind of pushed us into that, you know, upper echelon early on in like, you know, 04 when we were the, you know, the Western Conference Finals. So I look at that sort of as some of the transitions here. And, you know, veterans know, how they're playing and they know that their body isn't holding up quite as well. And, you know, and on those back to back and on those road trips that, you know, it's not about holding on anymore. The NHL, you can't do that. And sometimes, you know, with Bob and, and I think that that's where that honesty sets in, you know, sometimes he tries to send a message that, you know, this is where we're at and this is where it's going to go. And I think that there's respect both ways. We in the end know it's a, you know, it, it's a game, but it's also, you know, a job and, you know, there's a, there's things that need to be accomplished out there from, all different aspects from young guys getting experience um, to winning hockey games. Curtis, my you know overall viewpoint of the Sharks this year is that I'm pleased if I see growth from one month to the next. Now I you know they're they're a bubbleish team. They're around 500 for a reason, but I feel like the Sharks that we have seen, you know, in January into the start of February is better than where they were in December, and better than November, and better than October, and. I could make an argument that even if they didn't walk away with wins, you know, very much on this four game road trip that of the four games for four consistent games, that's about as good as they looked all year. You know, what, what do you see over the next 36 games beyond yes, putting pucks in the back of the net, but what's the crux for this team in terms of continuing that trend of being a better team? Well, I, I, I'm pretty bullish on, they're going to have to be committed to the D side of the puck. I, I just don't think there are many teams in the National Hockey League. So this isn't a knock, but there's not many teams in the National Hockey League that can outscore their problems. So the best way to play is be stout defensively, be responsible with the puck. Um, and obviously, if you do that with good goaltending, you give yourself a chance each and every night out. This last road trip, uh, one of the things I thought I'd never see is a goalie play every single game. And now that was circumstantial because Aiden Hill was out, but there was a back-to-back in the middle of that. And Reimer gave them a chance each night out to get points. That's what you need out of your netminder. But I thought the team uh, maybe learned, as you mentioned, they grew, they took some steps forward after getting exposed by Tampa about 10 days earlier. So you want to, sometimes you got to go through that, unfortunately, 
before you learn and really commit to the right way. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw a lot more commitment, uh, compete, buy-in, all that kind of stuff over this uh, last road trip. Yeah, Scott. I mean, one of the things that struck me about the Sharks in their lack of offensive production has been, it feels like they're so you know, trying to develop that identity of being defense first that it almost limits them in what they can do on offense because they're so stuck in the moment. It's trying to be clean, mistake-free, play the right defense. I feel like maybe it became a little bit more of their identity as of late to where they're not thinking as much. They did generate a lot of opportunities over the last month. They weren't finding the back of the net as often. You know, we saw Gregor finally get the goal that felt like it was six weeks in the making. Jonathan Dolan starting to hit the back of the net a little bit more often, three goals on that trip. Does, does it seem like that offense is trending where it needs to be, that they're you know being more comfortable with their identity and able to kind of play a more, not so much of a conscious thought game? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the biggest thing you, you, know, you take away from there is are they creating opportunities? And, it, you know, the last years I played, that's pretty much all it was based upon. How many opportunities did we give up and how many opportunities we were getting? Those are the only things that you can, can sort of control. You can't always control if you're scoring goals. And obviously you, everybody wants the talent and, 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 you know, the high-end talent that Tampa Bay has. But if you even look at Tampa Bay before they came in and, and you know, you know, kind of whooped San Jose at home there, they, they played a game. And if you look at those highlights against Anaheim, they were playing a possession game, but they were turning the puck over a lot. When they're mm-hmm. turning the puck over a lot, the goals went in the other way. And every team goes through those little setbacks. But what you want to try and do is create possession. You want to try and create scoring opportunities. And they got a lot of youth, and it takes time. You know, Brownie said it, said it earlier. It, it's not easy to score in the NHL. It's not easy to, to win in the NHL or play in the NHL. You got some young guys trying to find the ropes. You got, you know, Dolan. Everybody's kind of going through some some growing pains with that. Gregor's getting some opportunities, been, been kind of stake bit. Bossers went through it at the beginning of the year. Benino. So, you know, and that's where you really need that depth of scoring. And, you know, to talk about the schedule a little bit, you know, they've got a home heavy schedule coming up. They've been on yeah. the road a lot. They're playing against the teams that are all surrounding them. And, and that gives them the best opportunity. They're playing teams that they've got to beat. And, and that's going to be the big thing. They can't go win here, lose there. They can't go 500 hockey anymore. They've survived that, that aspect of it. And they've got to, you know, put some stretches together here coming into the, you know, into the home stretch, win some home games, go on some streaks. And, you know, I think they can be sitting pretty at the end of it if they can accomplish that. Curtis, if there's anything I haven't asked you about up at, up to this point that you think is worth talking, what, what, what are you, like, what's something we haven't hit on that you're seeing with the Sharks that you view as critical as we move towards the end of the season? Oh gosh. I, I think we've hit everything. I think if, if they could do half of what we talked about, they're going to be the perfect team. Uh, but not, it's, it's almost comical. Uh, when you look every single day, you, you follow the sharks and you watch, they've unfortunately faced as much adversity as I've ever seen a team face. Uh, fortunately for Scott and I, we didn't play in a COVID area where that was actually a thing and you could lose players out of that. And there was more of an opportunity, you know, to develop that chemistry. So I just think that they're on a really good path. Scott said it perfectly in that basically they hold the keys to their future, right? They, and that's all you can ask for. You're in control of how things are going to finish up. We didn't see, a lot of the teams that they're jockeying for playoff position 
up until, you know, what was it? Maybe December. I don't even know if we saw some West teams. It seemed like everything was out East, but now they got the heavy lifting, the travel done. And, uh, you know, if they can just get everybody going in the right direction and continue to build on what they did after this road trip, they, they have to feel good about the direction they're going. Yeah, Scott, same question for you. If there, if there's anything I haven't hit on that you feel is worthy of discussion. You know, I think a big thing, if we're going to talk about, you know, getting into the playoffs here and, you know, what they're going to need to accomplish over the home stretch here is, you know, I think their penalty, penalty kill has been excellent, you know, sitting at six in the league, but I think it's that power play. I think for teams that are sitting there when you're trying to find goals and that's a lot of pressure on a power play, right. But, you know, sitting at, I think they're at like 21st, you know, right around 19%. I think it's it just, just below. Um, I think that that could be a crucial part down the home stretch of, you know, finding that extra goal every once in a while on the power play, you know, boosting that percentage. If they can get that bumped up a little bit and they can find a goal here and there and keep that penalty kill working strong, I think that just gives them the opportunity. Because, again, you know, they've got some young guys here that are trying to figure out how to score in the NHL. And they're going to need, you know, they can't keep relying. I know I say that. I know a lot of teams do, but like Hurdle, Timo, Logan, scoring all the goals, right? You know, that, that's going to be a hard way to win coming down the stretch. They're going to need to find some of that consistency throughout. One way to get that is on the power play. Guys, absolutely love talking this uh, all with you. I appreciate your work as always, and I'll bug you again soon, all right? Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Have a good break. Again, that was Curtis Brown and Scott Hannon joining us here on the Sharks Audio Network to talk about everything we've seen from the Sharks up to this point of the year and through 46 games. We know the Sharks are, you know, a bubble team, but that's not necessarily a bad place to be because a lot of people had them at a much lower spot in the standings. And I think that the Sharks, especially with the home heavy schedule throughout the month of February, they only have one game on the road. I think this gives them a big opportunity to take a move up those standings. But of course, there is a lot of work to be done. And we see that they have some very tough teams on that schedule as as well so they've given themselves a shot that's the most important thing that i think we can talk about with the sharks right now is they've given themselves a shot but also i see them as getting better from one week to the next one month to the next and that is the most important thing overall is to see the sharks as an improving entity we are out of time but we will be bringing you more roundtable discussions over the next few days for the san jose sharks curtis brown and scott hannon i'm ted ramey signing off